Welcome to the Mexican-American Perspective, the podcast that brings to light the rich and diverse experiences of Mexican-Americans, straight from the voices of those who live it. We're your hosts, Leonard Davila and Marcelo Tafoya. From the complexities of immigration and assimilation to the challenges of breaking stereotypes, we will explore the multifaceted experiences that shape the lives of Mexican-Americans today. By engaging in authentic and thought-provoking conversations, we aim to build bridges of understanding and shed light on the vibrant cultural tapestry that connects us all. So whether you're Mexican-American yourself, have a connection to the community, or simply want to learn more about the lives and perspectives of this dynamic population, we invite you to join us on this enlightening and inspiring journey. Together, let's celebrate the stories that make up the Mexican-American perspective. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Marcelo Tafoya, and I'm here with Leonard Davila. What's going on, Leonard? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good so far, Marcelo. All right, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, this first show, what we wanted to do is we kind of wanted wanted to introduce ourselves, you know, let you know who we are, uh, why we decided to do this show, and a little bit about, a, you know, our background. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and start by interviewing Leonard, and we're going to get to know Leonard. That way, from now on, you know who you're listening to, and you can see where his Mexican-American perspective comes from. You know, it comes from a lifetime of being a Mexican-American, and, you know, from his different challenges in life and, you know, different obstacles he had to face and how he overcame them and what made him him. So what's going on, Leonard? Talk to me, brother. Well, uh, <laughs> playing back. All right. Back as far as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, <clears throat> I used to think I was Mexican. and uh, But I was told one time by somebody from Mexico that I was not a Mexican, <laughs> that I thought I was, but I, I wasn't. <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm a Mexican American. I'm a Chicano. All right. And uh, that's that's what I identify as. I, and uh, as a good friend, little Joe said one time, if I say I'm a Chicano, is there any doubt in your mind where I'm from? <laughs> right. So uh, I, I really like that. Uh, and that was on an interview that he had done in New York, and I happened to to hear it. Uh, but no, I'm, uh, Marcelo, Tony. I call you Tony because right. of, yeah, I've known you <laughs> since you were a little baby, and. Um, but I've I've uh, you know been involved I would say uh, with it, with the music mm -hmm. uh, back since 1963. Wow, and so, 60, So before we get into all that, let's uh, let's let's get a little bit about uh, your background. Okay. So okay, where were you born? You know, I was born in Pearsall, Texas. Pearsall, Texas. Oh my God, uh, better known as home of George Strait. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's like a little dot on the map, right? That, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> Just south of San Antonio. I grew up there. Uh, well, I, I was born there, and then uh, we. I lived in Dilly. I lived in uh, Alice, Texas. I lived, wow. I lived in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I lived in, um, oh, gosh, Cotula, Texas. Crazy. And, uh, and, but that's when I, I was young, very young. Yeah. And in Milwaukee, well, those are really, uh, I remember uh, kindergarten, Stuff oh, wow. like that going not in Milwaukee, but also in Texas. Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so you know, I've um, I, I, tra I traveled. Uh -huh. I, I traveled quite a bit, and uh, 
Was uh, that because your parents were working yeah. or? No, my parents you know? my parents were working. My dad was a chemist. Uh, when we went to Milwaukee, dad was mm-hmm. a chemist for a uh, picture plate glass company. Oh, okay. Who made paints and stuff. Yeah. But my dad's uh, business, he was a mortician. He, oh, uh, wow. After World War II, he went to college and uh, went to mortuary school, and uh, that's what he did. Oh, for, crazy. Uh, until his retirement back in 2000. Oh, 10, wow. 11, something like that. So you've seen a lot of dead bodies. Oh, yes, yes. Oh. I, I, when I was in high school. Braver I, man than me. Well, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school, I used to help help dad with the head ambulance oh, wow. services in, in, in Austin. The funeral homes had it, and I would yeah. work there, and that was kind of my my part-time job other than being a young kid. Right. Wanted, wanted to, to do things that I couldn't because I had to go to work. <laughs> oh, man. Did you get a stigma in school? Oh, like people gosh. knew you were the, oh, the marcher's son? I, I, I'll just... tell you what. I'll tell you what. I heard one. Hey, Leonard, I got a new a new uh, saying for the for the funeral home. I said, what's that? He says, we're the last ones to let you down. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's messed up. Or, oh, or, or, you know, the guys in the barrio, hey, I got to know, man. You stab him, we slap him. Oh, <laughs> man. And it was like, oh, man, I had to, you know, I put up with a lot of that stuff. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, that must have been tough, man. Must uh-huh. have been tough growing up that way. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially, uh, it's crazy, but when I was going to high school. Yeah. Uh, my dad had limousines. Oh, wow. Where were you at high the, school? At Johnston High School in Austin. Yeah, and... uh a couple of times I would take the limo to to school and I'd be picking up my buddies all the way down the bus route. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have, it, you know, they'd open the door and all get in, you know. And, and uh, by the time I got to school, it was full, man. It was oh, like, wow. like, hey, James, take me to Johnson High School. You know, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but I did that a few times, you know. And uh, one time somebody lit a cigarette in there and, of course, it, it pissed my dad off and he said, can't take it to school anymore. Catch the bus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, that's, um, that was junior high and high school. And, uh, well, after, after high school, I, uh, enlisted in the, in the Marine Corps in 1967. Yeah. It's crazy. My dad was on the local draft board advisory board in Travis County. And, uh, he said, son, you're going to be drafted. I said, I said, Oh, Danley, I guess I'm going to join. Didn't make the run for Mexico or Canada, huh? No, we don't. We don't do that. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I, I was asked by a Chinese acupuncturist that why didn't I take off? The, make the run? To, yeah, and I said, no, nah, man. I said, you know what? I would be an embarrassment to the family. Right. I said, you know. So anyway, I joined uh, joined the Marine Corps. My dad was Navy World War Two, and he said, you going in the Navy? I said, no, Dad, if you guys are in any water, you said, better than <laughs> you guys get lost. <laughs> so I joined the Marine Corps. When After I explained to everybody, my mother, my sisters, my dad, I said, well, they said why are you joining? I said, well, I like the uniform. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so I served I served three years in the Marine Corps. I did uh, one tour of duty in Vietnam. Oh, wow. In 68 and 69. I came out, and I got out in 70. So, uh, no, it was... Um, very, uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I hadn't really seen, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember back when I was a kid, man, we'd be in the hood, and, you know, I figured nobody can hurt me, you know. Yeah. And then when they get over there, it's like there's people that want to hurt you. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, and but, they have the method to hurt yeah, you. Yeah, you know, so it, it, it opened up your, your perspective. Your perspective, yeah. that's right. And there was a lot of Chicanos, you know, yeah. and it's funny because... 
I was in 1st Battalion, 1st Marines. Yeah. And uh, in our battalion, there's A, B, C, and D companies, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta. Yeah. Well, the the Chicanos from from these other companies, mm-hmm. whenever we had a chance, you know, to be in the rear or some bridge position or something, we'd all get together. And now mm-hmm. these are guys from, couldn't speak Spanish. Yeah. But uh, they were, where are you from, man? Oh, I'm from Montana. Mm-hmm. You know, Rodriguez guy. I remember yeah. him, but that's, that's where he was from. And, and then... Uh, you know, guys from Kansas, California, you know, Chicanos, Chicanos. Yeah. So we'd all, we we had, uh, you know, good, good, uh, I have good memories. I just lost a good friend here a oh, couple man. of weeks ago. Sorry that was, to hear that was, about yeah, that. Thank you. That was with us. Este, pero no, we, we would um, uh, get together, play. I remember uh, Little Joe or his company, Buena Suerte, would send me. Mm-hmm. We had a little portable uh, record player that played yeah. albums in 45s, mm-hmm. and they sent me. They would send me albums, wow. so it'd be in the rear and it belonged to everybody. Hey, man, you know, what you know? Yeah. So uh, now we did we did a lot of that, and uh, uh, you know, just uh, always talked home. Let me let me tell you one thing. One time we had asked for for family to send us tamales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they sent us canned tamales, <laughs> and I went I went to the store <clears throat> just just. Last night, we yeah. went, went to the grocery store, and they had canned menudo. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember my mom and my wife, they'd send me uh, uh, tortillas. And wow. by the time they got to us, you know, they already had mold on them. Yeah, so they were just, no you, good you, no more. No, heck no. You just scrape it off, man, and, <laughs> you know, heat him up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so I went and uh, I... Uh, when I got out, when I came back in Vietnam, I was. It's funny. I was stationed here in 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 uh, Austin. Yeah. Training the Marine Reserves. I was mm-hmm. asked if I spoke Spanish. I had gone to a dance at the City Coliseum, and I saw a buddy that I had seen at Camp Pendleton. He asked me, "When'd you get back?" Le apenas a couple of days, man. Been home two days. He said, "Well, if you go over there to the reserve center, they'll extend your leave if you have it on the books." And I said, "Man, I hadn't taken leave in two years, you know." So. uh I went Monday morning, and the major looked at my records and my files, and he said, uh, you speak Spanish, Marie? Le go, si, senor. Mm-hmm. He said, how would you like to be stationed in Austin, Texas? Because I had orders for uh, San Diego. Yeah. He said, how would you like to be stationed in Austin, Texas? And I said, si, senor, no hay nada más que quiera que diga. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, was, he was a gung-ho major, you know, yeah. uh, infantry uh, um, uh, officer. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, he said, well, uh, don't get a... A trailer yet because I said that I needed to get a trailer to take my wife and my daughter who I just met yeah. she was seven months old upon my return and uh, he, don't get a trailer yet two days later he calls me said when do you want to report in it was like oh wow gosh, that's that's a blessing great and I'd have <laughs> friends that were just returning from yeah. Vietnam and he asked where are you stationed oh, I'm in Fort Hood or you know what I'm in in uh uh, Corpus at the Naval yeah. Air Station, or I'm, you know, Fort Benning, Georgia. They're all around. He said, I'm over here on Barton Springs Road, man, right <laughs> down, down by the river, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, man. So, I mean, I lucked out, and I helped a lot of my buddies get in. You know, back in those days, it was uh, you go to school yeah. or be drafted. Yeah. You know, or join. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of them, a uh, lot of uh, my buddies, they were stationed around there. When I was stationed, was there here in Austin. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so, and then uh, I just got out of the service and my compadre, Ruben Ramos, yeah, uh, called me, says, 
hey, you want to go on tour? Oh, wow. That's a big one. Yeah, and because the revolution had just was just starting. You know, mm -hmm. they were, you know, just uh, back to Giz in 1970. I got on October 7th. This was like 71, and my, my wife says, I thought you were going to quit. <laughs> I said, well, I mean, I don't even have a job yet, <laughs> you know. So I, I didn't even have a job yet, so uh, we, uh, I said, but I'll, I'm going on tour. We were gone wow. two weeks, and we went on commission. Crazy. So, so when, when I came back two weeks later, I lost mm -hmm. about 20 pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my wife says, you know, we talked, you know, hugged the, my daughter and everything. And she says, um, how much did you make? I said, well, I, I, I owe $10. And she says, no, not really. How much did you make? And I said, no, really, I owe $10. <laughs> but we stayed in some nice luxury <clears throat> resorts, <Right>. boy. <laughs> but we're eating Spam and bologna and bean dip and stuff like that. Wow. But then, uh, well, and that's kind of where it started. I, I did it full time, uh, uh, yeah, for 25 years. That's awesome. And uh, uh, we were... Uh, Quite a few years later, but you know, with the revolution, you know, we we, we put a hundred thousand miles and more in mm. in a year, but we did went everywhere. Y'all played everywhere. Everywhere, you? yes, and uh, coast to coast and everywhere in between. So, so that's when you really got into music, like around at that time. Well, uh, I had been playing when I was in high school. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, I, I played music, and our out of state gigs were go to Oklahoma. Right. You know, or uh, go to Kansas. Uh -huh. But uh, then when when I got out of out of back from the military, I mean, we was going all over. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was I remember there was a guy standing in front of me, and we were somewhere in Detroit or in Michigan, and uh, he's standing there in front, and it was like, oh, oh, this guy here had a beard and long hair, and so did I at the time. And a couple of tunes, we played a couple of tunes, and I told one of the guys, I said, man. I don't know what this guy's up to, you know. So he says, hey, soy mesa. <laughs> and it was a guy that I had met in Vietnam, and I didn't wow. recognize him because of his hair, but he, you know, he recognized me. And uh, But, you know, things like that, or classmates in different parts of the country that, you know, moved, lived different places, and they'd go to our, our gigs and, and I was in Seattle, and one of good buddies says, uh, "Man, we heard somebody from Austin was playing, so we came to the to the, to the dance, man." <laughs> and it was like, you know, just things like that, and a uh, lot of lot of good experiences, uh, sad experiences. I mean, you know, you you missed a lot of uh, as a musician, you you know, you miss Christmases, you miss New Years, you miss anniversaries, mm -hmm. you miss birthdays, you miss. I mean graduations and stuff and when I got off the road it was funny because my my wife's family would always get together mm. uh, at Christmas and there was a bunch of them and when I walked in with my wife and she says uh, she is married <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh, yeah I mean it was it was uh, our, you know hard times they were hard times yeah of course yeah I spent a lot of time away from the family back then, in the 70s Heck, my phone bill was over a thousand dollars a month, man. Good lord! Because we'd get, we'd get to a place and fill up gas, and I'd call home, collect. How you, how's things going? Okay, well I'm over here. You know, we're somewhere out here putting gas in, and you know, but it was it was always like that. I'd always check on the on the kiddos. That's insane. A thousand dollars a month. A month 
on and, the phone. And my in the seventies. And, and yeah, and that was before <laughs> cell phones and stuff that's, like that. That's like the equivalent of what, maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars nowadays. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, no, we, we uh you know, that's that's the way things were, you know, and our vacations used to be like, hey, we're going through We'd be up north somewhere and say, well, we're going through Dallas to go to, down to Florida. So why don't you meet wow. us at Six Flags? So yeah. several of the wives and the kids would get together and they'd meet us in Six Flags in, in Dallas. And and then we'd take off and they'd head back home, you know. Oh, so, wow. But that's the way our, our vacations were. <laughs> I remember those vacations. Yeah. And <laughs> working, working vacations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I didn't realize that you could counted off on your on your income tax by right. saying it was a business trip. <laughs> it was a business trip. <laughs> no, but I, I did that, Tony, for, for many years. And one year, uh, uh, I, we were we had been gone about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And my wife, uh, when I got back to the motel after the gig, it was on a Friday yeah. or early Saturday morning because we had played Friday night in Chicago or Des Plaines or somewhere up there. Yeah. And you get back to the hotel room and the light's blinking that you have a message. So I called down and then I called my wife. So I called her, hey, is everything all right? You know, collect. <laughs> right. And uh, she says, you know, but I need, yeah, everything's good, but I need for you to be here in the morning at nine. I said, what? wow. I said, but I got a gig, you know, that uh-huh. night. She says, no, no, you'll be back. I've already made your flights and everything. So i like, what happened, you know? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I came home. She picked me up at the airport, and first thing I said was, uh, ¿Qué pasó? And she said, well, I signed you up for a test at the post office. <laughs> you know? oh, she was she was trying to keep you home. Huh? Uh, yeah. And and we told other wives, too, we said, well, that's a good idea, you know, right. for their husband. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I said, okay. Well, it was good because I, I was able to come home, you know, mm-hmm. see my kids, uh, you know. Um, so then I, I went back. To, to Chicago, yeah, and uh, like when my son was born, we were playing in Florida, so <laughs> we're on our way to uh, uh, up in Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, yeah. and uh, so, but no, it was uh, it, it was uh, you know quite a, quite a few things like that, you know, had guys that families auto accident had to take off, you know, and stuff, and. But uh, no, that that's part of the part of the the glory. <laughs> after having to put up all, set up the equipment, tear it down after the gigs, and and, and then uh, let's see what's open <laughs> so we can so, eat. <laughs> let's see. You were born in Pearsall. You went to high school at Johnston High School. Allen Junior High. Oh, you went to Allen Junior High. <laughs> um, pretty much grew up here in Austin. Then you would yeah. say um, we moved here majority. in '59. Yeah. Okay, and then. Uh, then went to the military, you know, to the Marines. Then ended up, luckily, back in Austin. Yeah. And then joined Ruben out the gate. Mm-hmm. And then started touring with, you know, Ruben. Well, see, let me let me tell you what happened. While I was in the military, I was in Austin. Yeah. The bands were playing on, on a commission. Yeah. So my godfather, Dave Gutierrez, who had his orchestra, and Ruben, who was, they were just starting the Mexican yeah. Revolution, Alfonso, uh, Ramos, and... Uh, He'd say, hey, man, you're going to be off the weekend. Yeah, I'm off on the weekend. He says, why don't you come work the door for us? Okay, so, you know, that's how it kind of started. So Mm -hmm. I'd be there at the door collecting the money, and, you know, and I know they trusted me with it. You know, I've Mm -hmm. never really stolen anything from anybody. Yeah. uh, 
I've taken some gum from <laughs> when, when I was younger. Right. <laughs> Bubble gum. No, but uh yeah, so it, it it's it started off like that. And then of course wow. when, when I got out, you know, mm-hmm. Ruben asked me to And how long were you with Ruben? From seventy one to about seventy six. Oh wow. Yeah. Because then, we started street people. Yeah, you started street people. See, Joe that, Ramos, right? Ruben's brother. Yeah. Well, Ruben and I opened up a club in Round Rock yeah. called, called the Club Westerner. Oh, okay. And I was already kind of burned out. You know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, didn't want to travel. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, because we were gone a lot, Tony. And uh, so, I got that that uh, um, how should I say that out of my system. Because we got a club, mm-hmm. so I managed the club, and Ruben was continue playing. Yeah, and uh, so then while I was there, Alfonso, Ruben's brother, came and asked me, "Hey Leonard, can you? Because I played trombone also. He says, yeah. and, and and sang. He says, you want to join my band? He says, I need somebody wow. to to do this.' And I said, "Yeah." So I was I was running the club and then playing on the weekends. So we had to hire a guy to run the club on the weekend. <laughs> And, uh, well, with Alfonso, we played a lot. We played yeah. Fridays, twice Saturdays, twice Sundays, you know, oh, weddings wow. and quinceañeras and all that stuff. And uh, But we didn't, mm-hmm. we, the only out-of-state thing we did was in, in Kansas when I was when I was with him. Yeah. And uh, so we would, you know, uh, get those gigs and Joe, Joe uh, uh, Ramos, Ruben's brother mm-hmm. and Alfonso's brother, he was in the band with Alfonso and disco was just starting yeah. And I said, you know, hey, Joe, how about let's play some disco, man, during the week? He said, orale. So we asked Alfonso's band, hey, you guys want to do disco during the week? <laughs> and this was at a rehearsal. Yeah. I said, not the weekends, just during the week, Monday through Thursday. And he said, do we have to rehearse? I said, yeah, we're going to rehearse. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play. And it just so happened God had his eyes on us. And, I mean, we started uh, playing, and Joe... Uh, quit Alfonso, you know, who he had been playing with, he, you know, he came to, to join mm-hmm. the street people, you know, full time and which was, which was great. And, uh, but that's when we started street people and, um, yeah, so that's, so we, uh, you know, we, we, we were getting real busy and I mean, we got real busy and then the guys in Alfonso's band were saying, Hey man, can, can we come in? And, oh man, we don't need, because <laughs> Alfonso had like 10 or 11 guys in the band, you know? Oh no, that's and, crazy. And we were like seven, five, six, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. People don't realize how crazy it gets when you start really increasing band members. Oh gosh. And economics yeah. has a lot to do with cutting down, you know? Yeah, exactly. The expenses, the, you know. Oh my God! Yeah, I can just imagine. That's you crazy. Know, yeah, we used to have to get uh, get five hotel rooms. Yeah, of course, minimum. And, and we'd be two, <laughs> two to a room. Yeah. You know, and then uh, when there was more members, then we'd be three to a room. Oh yeah. And it was like, let me tell you, we'd flip, <laughs> and Odd Man got to sleep by himself. The other two <laughs> had to sleep together. <laughs> so yeah. you know, yeah, there was times. Little story about Skeeter. Skeeter had just joined the revolution. Yeah. Albert Amesquita. And he had just gotten out of high school. And yeah. we were in, down in Corpus somewhere. And uh, uh, Pia, mm-hmm. Ruben's brother, was our bass player, uh, Roy Ramos. Yeah. And uh, the guys had gone out to eat. Well, mm-hmm. Pia and I stayed in the room. 
it was this was after the gig. So they got back about four, four in the morning, you know, and uh, I got up later to go to the restroom and I step on Skeeter. He's on the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and I had one to sleep by myself. Yeah. And Bia had fallen asleep because he always played that bass, man. Yeah. Um, he'd be laying down and just playing going, the bass. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he said, no, uh, P-Man left his bass on the on the bed and I didn't want to move it. And I said, move that thing, man. <laughs> Get up there. But, you know, it, but that that's, that's the way it was for a good while, you know. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And so you've you, you've had street people for man forever now. Yeah, it's, it's seventy six since seventy six, mm-hmm. and y'all are still going strong. Well, yeah, we we you know right now it's not you know Masantes Tony. We would have to play, yeah, because we were supporting families. Yeah, you know uh, the guys uh, we we didn't have part uh, time part time uh, jobs. And now Ruben and I did when the revolution was just starting because we had a friend who did auto details. And he and I would go over there and when we're not playing and uh, detailing cars and yeah. uh, dyeing the carpets and all that stuff. But we had a wow. gig at Tehuacho. Right. And then my dad had the funeral homes and we'd, we'd take uh, flowers to the cemetery and, you know, things like this. So odd jobs here and there. Yeah, but, like that. but then it got so busy. Yeah. That we couldn't do it. See, Ruben and I had a radio show also at KUT oh, yeah. That's with, right. with your dad. Yeah. And uh, we had to stop that because it was we were gone all Didn't the time. Didn't y'all take courses there too yeah, at UT? Your, yeah, well, your to... dad uh, got us instructions to get our FCC license. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So Ruben, myself, Daryl Quintanilla, DQ, and uh, TG3, Tony Guerrero, Que Paz Descanse, wow. Tony. Este, yeah, we, I uh, think Paco was there too. No, no, Paco. No, no Paco, Paco didn't no. go? No, he went to school for engineering. That's right. Yeah, yeah, so. and then then he wanted his own train. He oh yeah, <laughs> wrong kind of engineer. No, instead, but um, yeah, it it uh, and then we had you know radio shows and wow. in Georgetown and stuff like this. Yeah, but things like I say, things got so busy. Yeah, we couldn't do that. That's you know? wild. So I mean, we were gone, and that was before we could call and do interviews on the phone or whatever. Right. You know? Just show up. Yeah, and uh, you know and. There's a lot of musicians, you know, uh, that have been musicians for a long time, but a lot of them had had full-time jobs, and the yeah. music was part-time. Yeah, exactly. And with us, it was full-time music and part-time it, whatever jobs. we could get. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm I'm not ashamed to say this, but you know, uh, we had bought a house when I yeah. was when I came back from Vietnam in '69, and of course, when we started playing, we didn't really make. Yeah, you weren't money. making a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. And but we had friends that had bars. Yeah. And they'd saved the cans. Oh wow. I had I'm the one who they were saving the cans for. Yeah. And I'd go in my van and I'd go pick up two or three loads and take them to go sell them. Hey. And 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 to different different cantinas, you know. Yeah. So uh yeah, I started doing that and and uh was it, yeah. it it helped you know a whole bunch, but that Monday mornings and Tuesday Mondays, I usually slept till about two or three in the afternoon. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then I'd go pick up <laughs> pick up cans because you know I mean we'd be coming in from Sunday you know different places. Well, you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and see you know like a lot of your stories that you're telling me, a lot of people don't realize you know they don't realize that you know in the military 
how many Mexican Americans actually served from the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we've been a huge part of the military, you know, from the Texas revolution on up. I mean, even beyond, yeah. um, we've been such a major key factor within all of our military efforts, you know, all branches too, Yep. but they don't realize that they, they don't see that. They don't see, you know, what we've done. They don't see, you know, the struggles that we've been through. Um, you know, my parents were migrant farmers, you know, I'm sure your parents, you know, were in migrant mm-hmm. farming when they first were younger too. My, my grandparents were. Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. And so they sent my, my dad to college and my mom to college too, you know, so. Yeah. And so they don't, they mm-hmm. don't see that. They don't see what we've been through, you know, the trials by fire that y'all did in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Cause the music industry, they don't realize that the Chicano or Tejano industry you know, that we've been involved with in our whole life is, you know, something that was created out of the blue. It was created brand new, and it's been a trial by fire since the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't taught this. We weren't educated in this. This is just something we were passionate about, we loved, and we wanted to do, and so we made it happen. It's not like we went to school for this and we learned this is how you do it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was more of a, Hey, you want to go play? Let's go play. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, we're just going to do it. And these are fascinating stories because, like, these are your experiences. These are the things you went through, and y'all weren't educated in how to do it. Y'all just did it. And that's a lot of things that people are scared of doing now. People are scared of taking those risks, those chances. Um, You don't see kids... Just saying, hey, we're, we want to be a band. We're just going to freaking go and do it, and we're going to travel the country, mm-hmm. and we're just going to do it. We're going to start our own record label. We're going to do this and that. You see a few here and there, but it's just the risks that y'all took were dramatically bigger than the risks people take now because now anybody can go and create a YouTube channel and start recording themselves singing. You know, anybody has a computer, they can make themselves sound great because they can use, you know, artificial software mm-hmm. that makes them sound like they're a million-dollar singer, where y'all literally had to go in where, where, blood, where, sweat, where, and tears. Where, where do I get that, that program? <laughs> <laughs> Auto-tune, brother. Auto-tune. Auto-tune. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, use that. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is that, you know, when y'all got into this, this was, you know, you really put everything on the line. To do what y'all did. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly yeah. what you're telling me. You know, y'all put the music first and y'all had to come back and do whatever you had to do to make your dreams become a reality. And that's commendable. You know, that's, and, that's and, different. And you, you know, let, let me tell you something that happened one time. Um, well, one time I had promised my daughter that I would take her to school on her first day. Yeah. And we, we were on tour. Oh, wow. And I think we were going from one state to another. This was like on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, I called home and she says, Daddy, going to take me to school, right? I mm. said, yeah, mija. So I caught a flight home, took her to school in the morning, picked her up, took her, uh, picked her up from school, took her home, you know, had lunch with my family, Psh, flew right back, you know, but uh, just and, to make it happen. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's I've, I've always really wanted to, you know, for my kids, you know, exactly. And, my, and now I'm trying to spoil my grandkids. Oh, yeah. And my my daughter says, Dad, how come you doing this for them? <laughs> I said, Mija, when you were starting, I was just starting my career. Exactly. <laughs> when you were born, you know, 
young. I mean, she was she was very young. But uh, no, and then you see him through high school and graduating from high school. I played at mm-hmm. her graduation. Oh wow! Uh, party. It was we had it at the municipal auditorium in Austin. Had about a thousand some odd That's people crazy. there. Yeah. And uh, and she got together with a couple of other girls, but it, I think it was one of the biggest graduation parties for an individuals, yeah. you know, that's Austin's had. But that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it, it do able to do things like that. You know, help help people out. We did a lot. We've I've been honored to have uh, Leonard Davila Street People Day twice. Wow. In Austin. That's awesome. And yeah, and then. Uh, when I was working at, at the post office, uh, a gentleman from the uh, uh, the Texas Music Museum mm-hmm. came by the post office, and I had my name, Leonard. He says, what's your last name? I said, Davila. He says, we've been looking for you for years. What? <laughs> Who was it, Clay? Clay, Clay <laughs> Dr. Shorky. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he says, this is, you know, we've been trying to reach you, and this is who we're with. And so I said, well, here's my number, you know. So they call me, and he did an interview. Next thing I know, they had displays of our of our music. Oh wow! And uh, it, uh, you know, albums and stuff. Because back yeah. then it was albums and forty five. Well, I mean, as street people, y'all played, y'all opened up and played for so many different groups. Yeah, yeah. I we mean, did. you know, like name a couple, man, because I'm pretty sure our listeners would be well, you, you know, know, surprised. S- some of the some of the big ones that really like, God, what? They want us to play was with James Brown. Wow. We opened up for James Brown at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. That's awesome. And then, uh, uh, it's crazy, I, that was the f- only time that I played with them, but then I got called because they wanted to play here in Austin. So we got them out at Antone's, That's you know, awesome. here. And then uh, we did, uh, I opened for Jose Feliciano a few times. What? Yeah, and uh, Tierra. Wow. Uh, we did uh, Carl Carlton. Remember, she's a no. Carl Carlton was a Love Jones. Oh, wow. <laughs> basketball Jones. <laughs> yeah, and you know we we backed up some of these artists also. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, so you so, were that diverse. Y'all were able to back these bands man, up we, too. We, we played with Ernest Tubb, Johnny, oh, wow. Johnny Rodriguez. We we uh, we played country tunes, and that's I used to, awesome. I used to take a good friend of ours who be, who was a millionaire. Uh-huh. Moses Vasquez. Oh wow, Mo, Mo, Mo Vasquez. Yeah, because yeah. Mo had the Tamale House right yeah. there on Congress Avenue and First Street, and he'd yeah. hold that skeleton key. He says, "Leonard, I got the keys to the city," <laughs> and he sold that little corner right there mm-hmm. for a couple of million dollars back oh, then. Oh wow! And uh, but I take him with yeah. us to to go do you know country tunes, mm-hmm. and uh, no, I, I and, and I enjoy that. It's a uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. So no, we uh, I, we we got around. You know, it's uh, and I had a a good management at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, so no, but I, I mean, they got they got us gigs pretty much all over. Wow. We were we were in uh, in California, and I got a call at the hotel room that uh, uh, the the guy who does a captain and Neil. Yeah. Yeah. He had a little studio mm-hmm. here in in town. And they were doing a soundtrack for a movie with, uh, what is his name, uh, the guy who was in The Little Rascals. Oh. Beretta. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there was a movie that he was in, and they wanted uh, us to do the, the soundtrack. background. Yeah, soundtrack on it. So we got home, changed clothes, and went <laughs> to the studio. <laughs> you know, but th- that's the way, you know, that's the way it was, and. Yeah, so no. And then 
Also, I remember seeing you in a music video with Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, yeah. Oh, man, that was amazing. And I got them the Chicanos because Lana, Willie's daughter, I was recording at Third Coast for my, with my management. Yeah. And she knew Stephanie Egling, who was worked there in the in the office. And she said, Leonard, Daddy's doing a, a country video. It's going to be the first one that's done. Can you, can you help us out? And I said, yeah, what do you need? She said, do you know any Mexicans? <laughs> and I said, well, I know a few. How dark do you want them, you know? And uh, so anyway, I got called the guys. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was walking out of the studio right after that, and little Joe and Johnny were coming through because they, yeah. they did videos and movies and stuff at this studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, hey, you guys want to be in a Willie Nelson video? And Joe says, no, man. I really and Johnny says, well, yeah, okay. So, But anyway, I, I asked Skeeter. Skeeter couldn't go because... They had a gig that day, so yeah. I called my neighbor and says, "Joe, I need a, I need a, uh, somebody to fill in over here at this shoot that we're doing." Was that Karate Joe? Yeah, Karate, Karate Joe. Joe. Yeah, <laughs> he was my neighbor. He's, uh, he was a uh, like a tenth degree black belt, and oh, I, yeah. mean, I mean, he was, he was way up there. And every time I'd go on tour, I, you know, hey Joe, we're going out, man. Can you kind of watch out? Yeah. So you know, he was watch the neighborhood. Our kids played together a lot, you know. So. But uh, yeah, that went on. But uh, yeah, no, I did that yeah. video. Wasn't that Poncho and Lefty? Poncho and Lefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Then we did that movie, The Songwriter. Oh wow! That was with uh, Leslie Ann Warren and uh, 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 Chris Christopherson, Willie, wow. and, and uh, it was uh, somebody else. Uh, I can't can't think of his name right now. But. Uh, yeah, well, that filming was done at the Austin Opry House. Uh, oh, but man. then down on Town Lake, too. We were running down there. Right. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, that was something. And I, I called Luis Silva. I don't know yeah. if you remember Luis. Yeah, he's I remember Luis. Yeah, good guy. And I said, Luis, we got a spot on the songwriter, man. You want to you wanna be on? He's, oh, Leonard. And that's me, <laughs> man. I'm a songwriter. And uh, so, yeah, so then he called me later. Leonard, I can't, man. We have this engagement oh. somewhere. Well, okay, no, that way, no. Maybe next time, you know. Right. So as to, but we were, you know, a lot of. I, I met a lot of famous people. Mm -hmm. I met a lot of famous people, you know, yeah. with with the connections there. I mean, I'd be recording in the studio, and Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones wow. show up there because Tom Wright, who was producing mm -hmm. one of it, Tom was the official photographer for the Who. Oh wow! So he he and and uh, Pete Townsend were very good friends. Oh yeah, and uh, so they bands would come into town. He he won a Grammy with Rod Stewart. Didn't mm -hmm. know it on on wow. the Ula La album. They put yeah. Tom Wright contact us because want to know where you at. You got a Grammy, you know. But um, yeah, and I just got word the other day that he had passed away a couple of months oh, ago. Man. But uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, lot of his connections would come by, and we'd sit there, you know, and. Do crazy things till three, four, five, six in the morning. Uh -huh. No windows at the studio, so you don't yeah. you didn't realize what time it was, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was a big, <laughs> big. It was a big studio, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, what but, happens in the closed room stays in the closed room. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just joking. Now it goes on YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of like what happens in Vegas stays right. in Vegas. Uh -uh. Exactly. <laughs> it goes on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of the stories of the uh, Armadillo World headquarters oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the maze in the back. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you something. You know, bands, as much as we were together, yeah. now this is what the revolution. 
Yeah. You know, there'd be we'd be fighting with each mm -hmm. other, man. And the okay, go get some a bottle of whiskey at tequila or something. Hey, pues, orale, all weapons check in <laughs> over here, you know. But you know, we'd be getting in fights and I'd come home and ah, se peleó so and so with so and so. Yeah. You know, oh, me pelea con so and so. And and then uh, we get home and one time Ray Charles was playing at the Armadillo World Headquarters. Oh, dude. And uh, so we said, hey man, Ray Charles is gonna be at the at the Armadillo. Pues vamos. So we were gone. We had been gone like a month. Mm -hmm. And I remember we all show up there at the Armadillo, the whole band with our wives. Oh, wow. And we're sitting in this huge round table that they had. You know, we got a yeah. good, good seat. And my wife leans over and she says, honey, I don't, I, I don't understand you guys. Yeah, what do you mean? He says, pues se andan peleando todo el tiempo. <laughs> and you get a chance to be off and now here we are together with them and the <laughs> right. family and the wives. <laughs> yeah, pues, you know, we're brothers. I mean, it's, it's kind of... Yeah. You get mad with somebody, you get in a fight, and then somebody he needs help. So I almost let's go. <laughs> yeah, five minutes later, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's uh, but that's the camaraderie that was. You know, we're like brothers, man. You know, exactly. Brothers fight, and argue, and stuff. You know. Wow. I had one incident where two brothers played, and he got mad that one of the brothers was the leaders of the band. I'm not gonna mention name, but he's was out in West Texas, and he said, get to the hotel, and they were arguing. And he says, you know what? Call me a cab. I'm going home. He, sa <laughs> he says, I already did. <laughs> so, little bit beep beep. The horn comes outside. Oh, wow. He gets in the taxi and comes home. <laughs> so, uh, no, but, you know, it's it's uh, things like that, man. You know, that's, uh, and a lot of memories. You know, good, good, good memories, man. Crazy things happen. Crazy jokes, you know. Oh, yeah. Plenty Just, of stories. Oh, gosh. And then, so I also see, uh, like, you know, later on in life, you're still, of course, still playing with the street people. You still have your group. You just came out with a new music video. You're coming out with a new CD. Yeah. Um, but you're also involved in the community a lot. I see you were part of the uh, Tejano Music Coalition, the founding of it. Yes, I was um, first president. Your dad was, yeah. was there also. And you? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, me, my dad, Gonzalo, and we, you know, brought you in. And yeah. then you became the first president, mm -hmm. you know, once we once we got it all started. Um, yeah. I remember that. And then also now you're part of the music commission here in Austin. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a commissioner now for the Austin Music Commission. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, that's, that's great. And I'm learning a lot of things, man. I'm learning a lot of things where that are beneficial to musicians. Yeah. That our onda, we never knew about those things. Exactly. You know, and I'd see where somebody's getting a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you know, all you got to do is is uh, apply for for fill it, out this know? form. <laughs> yeah, see somebody's making you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to put on an event. Yeah. Well, heck, we put on the Mexican American Experience and got no funding. Yeah. I mean, we had I pulled money from my retirement, my wife's retirement two years in a row mm -hmm. to uh, to put it on. And we would get some money back. And uh, the city helped us out a little bit, very little, but it would cost you $40,000 just to open the gates. Exactly. You know, because you need deposits for the bands, for sound, mm -hmm. you know, promotion. And, I mean, all that insurance, security, yep. emergency services, you know. Uh, gosh, it, it, it costs a lot of money. And then find yep. out that these, it's the funds are available. Oh yeah, you, you find know, out later after the but, fact. But but now <laughs> but now because I'm here on the commission, I get to see that. And, oh yeah. And what do I do? 
I get on the horn and say, hey, man, this is available. You got to apply here. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do, man. And and because uh, they said, well, how come they're playing all the time? Equipos, they fill out the forms. Yeah, know? well, because they know they learned the system. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say is that, you know, a lot of us, our experiences are, you know, because we just wanted to do it. We mm-hmm. just went after it. We did it however we could make it happen. We didn't learn how to work the system. We just went for it. And so learning from your experiences and your past and my father's past, we're able to now educate the future and let them know there's methods and different ways that we can create things and make things better for our people. Because Mm -hmm. historically, we've just been fighting, you know, with our eyes covered. We've been fighting, you know, trying to make a difference, trying to change our trajectory in life, you know, with our eyes blindfolded. And that's because we just, we're fighters. We're natural Mm -hmm. fighters. You know, we're not going to go down without swinging. So now we're actually learning how to utilize these different tools and methods, actually get the monies we need to put on these events. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the amount of events that I've put on, that my father's put on, like, trust me, I know. (laughs) I know what it costs. And and it's a lot of work. Yeah, the amount of work. You're, You're out there until five in the morning cleaning up the park. You know, at the, <laughs> at the at the MAC, the Mexican yeah. American Culture Center, uh, I, I had done an event for South by Southwest. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tejano Showcase. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had to go through all kinds of hoops and hurdles to to just get it um, done. Well, then the following year, uh, they put some restrictions. You know, I was going to have to have the bands pl- uh, uh, apply to play. There's a fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, we couldn't use it at the Tejano station to advertise the way we did before. And we had over 4,000 people each night wow. that we had our event. And then I find that, that South By was wanting to take... Take our, away your night. Yeah, the night. And uh, so we fought them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess they realized, leave it alone. But the Mac is a beautiful place, venue right on the Colorado River which is now called Lady Bird Lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have the background of Austin right yeah. there, you know. The, and, uh, but, you know, our event, I'm going to tell you, Tony, our event, the first year that we put it on, we didn't get any music coverage, any wow. coverage in, in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. But they, there's groups playing uh, on a loading dock for Four musicians and and uh, they're playing on loading dock and they may have twenty five people and they get a whole page you know oh, yeah. sto- story about them and stuff like that. So I called up the newspaper mm-hmm. and I said and I called up a Chicano who, who was who was on there and I said man you know I said we have four thousand people over there and I know the count because a fire marshal stopped it at that yeah at that count. I says and we can't get any coverage, coverage. to let people know that we're here. You know, now this is, and uh, I'll tell you what, I did it. The days that we selected was Wednesday and Thursdays of the week because uh, uh, fanfare in San Antonio starts on on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. So we would do the two days before, and this way we didn't compete with With that because a lot lot of of raza Mm -hmm. from this area would go to fanfare every year. Yeah. You know, so... They stayed, you know, and then they'd go to fanfare, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, it's only, what, 60 miles. But uh, 
we, we would get that type of crowd and uh, still couldn't get help, Coverage. Help, help from the city, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, then one magazine, an Austin magazine, did a story and they tore everybody up that we had the <laughs> best sound system they had because we paid yeah. high dollar for, you know, not just a little sound system, but, you know, oh, yeah. concert, big concert, big stage, lighting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one of them said, because Little Joe said, we belong over there, and he was pointing towards town. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he writes, he said, Little Joe said that, but he's there where they need to be, right there where everything's happening with Rainy Street, yep. uh, you know. And uh, so that was uh, uh, good experiences. But, oh, yeah. man, but I'll tell you what, I had to meet. I was the head of, of the organization, Crossroads Events, but I had to meet with the police department, police chief, with the with the emergency people, mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the insurances. The, I mean, all oh, I got, and I had to meet with them. And, oh, yeah. And the city would call and say, Leonard, uh, can you, we, we're having a meeting today at 3.30, need for you to be here. Well, driving into town in Austin, Texas, because, mm-hmm. you know, we live out here in the outskirts, it's uh, take me an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. You know, just to get there. I said, can you do it early in the morning? Because 5 o'clock comes and, well, they had the clock off. Yeah, exactly. It's over, and that's when all the traffic is really mm-hmm. going. So, yeah, you know, just things like that that, that were difficult to do. Oh, yeah. Just cool. just to meet up with the responsibilities. That well, eventually have. we'll, you know, in the future on this podcast, we'll also discuss the the history of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, the redlining, the, you know, all the trials and tribulations we had to go through in politics and uh, living here and gentrification, et cetera. Uh, we'll get into all that in the future of this podcast. But yeah, I mean, these are key things. What what Leonard's talking about is is a part of the struggle that Mexican Americans have had to face within just the city of Austin. We're not even talking about the rest of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the future, we're hoping to interview more people across the U.S. to find out their perspective, you know, of being Mexican American. And so, you know, it's these stories that are key to what makes us us and what makes our story so important so that people can understand that we've struggled, too. And, and, so. and, and you know, uh, one of the things that I'd like to say is that, you know, we're Tejanos, okay? Yeah. But we're Chicanos. Exactly. We're Mexican-American. And with this program here, I have a good friend that's in, in California, mm-hmm. and uh, he— I told him that I wanted to interview him yeah. for, for our podcast. And he said, well, I'm not a Tejano. I said, no, man, this is about Chicanos, Mexican-Americans. Mm-hmm. And then he called me back. He said, hey, Leonard, he said, I know some guys that are with Santana, with, with oh, Malo. Yeah. He said, would you care to interview them? And I said, hell yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, this this is about, you know, Rick Trevino. Yeah. Rick didn't do, do do Tejano, but he's a country artist. Exactly. You know, and, and his dad was a Tejano. But he's still a Mexican-American. That's now. right. That's right. And we all... Went to different schools, yeah. went, grew up in different parts of town, different towns in, mm-hmm. in many places. And uh, I, I, I've been fortunate. Well, I grew up in the barrio yeah. in, in Austin. But when I had a chance to, to get a better school for my kids, yeah. you know, then I had to move to another, another, another part district. of town. Yeah. Because the schools that I was going to or that, that I, w- I went to, it was uh, – Okay, the teachers were very, very helpful. I mean, I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, man. I, I quit school one time, and two of my teachers called me. 
-hmm. and uh, Doris Kraft and Marie Scales is one of them. And uh, they, Leonard, why'd you quit school? I said, well, you know, the bus passes by too early. You know, mm -hmm. I, I got to walk home after after school, and we were like eight miles from the school, oh. you know. So, uh, well, they come pick me up in the morning. <laughs> wow. And bring me home. That's crazy. In the afternoons, yeah. And then my, my dad said, mijo, you need to grow up. Right. He said, you know what? He said, these ladies here are really taking care of you. And But all through my whole high school, uh, well, I should say when I graduated my, in my military career, and my musical career, they've always supported me. You know, wow. they've always, uh, we, we want one of your records, you know. Hey, can you mm -hmm. help us? Well, they, you know, one of them was uh, uh, Marie Scalzo. She was uh, an English teacher. And I said, Scalzo, uh, I'd like for you to go to the, our class reunion. No, Leonard, I do not like to go to reunions. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Okay, okay. So then one day she calls me. She says, Leonard, uh, I need a favor. And I said, sure, what you need? She said, well, we're doing a fundraiser for these families and stuff. And want to see if maybe you have some T-shirts or caps or CDs mm -hmm. that we you know, might be able to donate. I said, yeah. So I took, them, I took yeah. them some stuff, you know, where they could you know, sell them or, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. But when she says, yes, I mean, when she asked me if you could do me a favor, I said, sure. Yeah. You know, without even, well, then when I asked, I asked her, I said, Scalzo, can you do me a favor? And she says, what's that? I said, I want you to go to this class reunion. Leonard, I told you that I didn't. <laughs> oh, because oh, oh, she says, for what? And I said, I didn't ask you for what. <laughs> <laughs> she, and I told her about it. She says, well, I don't. I, I can't drive at night. And I said, we're going to pick you up. Right. So she went, <laughs> and she had a blast. It was like, wow. Yeah. So, And now they're in their 80s, and, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, a, lot of, a lot of teachers who oh, sent yeah. me to the office were now, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, well, backing us. You got you to gotta kind of respect the teachers that were in East Austin oh, because yeah. – because they actually were passionate about the students. Now, the facilities, the books, the tools that we received because of... The weight room for the football players, well, they were coffee cans you know, full of cement. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the city didn't really fund East Austin that well. That's mm -hmm. a part of the whole redlining situation. Right. And how the district was funded based upon taxation within those areas. Mm -hmm. um, that's a deeper discussion for another day. But yeah, I totally feel you. That, that's a part of our history that we do need to discuss and, you know, let people know, you know, what we've been through. Um, but, yeah, it's been really great talking to uh, Leonard Davila today, our host of the show. From now on, you can see me as the co-host, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll be doing, we'll, we'll be doing other stuff, too. You know, I've, oh, yeah. I've talked to Senator Gonzalo Barrientos also. Yes, sir. And uh, I'm sure that Gonzalo will help me get some of the other politicos. And there's mm -hmm. other, other uh, uh Business People. owners and, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, anybody and everybody, you know, we want to get their perspective. I mean, On people that work is. from that work in the city, people that work for the state, people that, you know, work, you know, any normal job. I mean, it can be anybody. Mm -hmm. We want to get their perspective. We want to see what their life is, you know, and how it feels to be a Mexican-American and the struggles they've been through and their life stories. We want to know their history because we want to preserve that and we want to show this life that we call being a Mexican-American. And yeah. we want people to know what it means to be a Mexican-American because it is a different experience. Mm -hmm. You know, it is completely different because we're not 100% Mexican, but we are American. Oh, yeah. But 
they don't classify us as 100% American. They classify us as halves because, oh, you're Mexican, but you're an American. And it's it's a confusing situation, and we need to kind of clear up that confusion. You know, we're Americans, point yeah. blank. We are Americans. But our lineage, our heritage, you know, does have bits and parts from Mexico. Because, and Spain. And you know, and Spain <laughs> yeah. and from, you know, native. Yes. You know, because yes. we were here before the border moved. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've been here. We've been here even before the border was created. We've been here since before Mexico was created. And people don't realize that we are the indigenous people of this land, but we get classified as other than, you know, the norm. And well, so, you know, one of the things that really bugs the hell out of me yeah. is when they refer to me as a Latino oh, yeah. or Latinx mm-hmm. or uh, Hispanic, yeah. you know, and I've told people over and over, I said, look, when you say call those, those monikers, you know, Latino, mm-hmm. Latinx, I said, you know, Hispano, it, it's like a, a bowl of fruit. Yeah. I said, you know, there's all these varieties of fruit. They taste different, smell different, look different, uh, and you use them for different things. I said, but I want people to know that I'm that apple. Right. You know, I'm that apple <laughs> in, in that fruit bowl. Exactly. You know, and when, when they when they use those terms, we lose our identity. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I got to say, you know, I have some good friends that are Cuban and, and Puerto Rican uh from mm-hmm. that I, I they're my brothers from the from the military from wartime service and uh they're proud of their heritage yeah of you course. know but uh but when people refer to them you know i, I have friends that say leo de donde quieres tu man he said oh pues soy latino leo pues eres de guatemala no hombre i'm from here leo pues orale you know yeah you know so and that goes back to if I say I'm a Chicano, is there any doubt in your mind where I'm from? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, but that's what I want people to understand. And I find out being on the music commission, a lot of it is Latino, but the Mexico-Americano or Tejano are not really in- exactly. included in there all the time. And that's the funny thing. If you look at any demographic mm-hmm. that is within the state of Texas all the way through California, when you look at it and it says... Hispanic or Latino or whatever. We're nowhere those, in there. Those, even though it doesn't say us, those are actually us. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that are on paper. Those are the Mexican-Americans, but we don't get classified as that. Yeah. Those numbers are used to justify everybody, everybody. else. All the rice in the... <laughs> but yet they don't want to include us yeah. when it comes to certain things. So on a music commission, when they say oh, we need to have a Latino event, so we're going to, you know, have a pure, you know, Mexican, you know, event from Mexico where we're just going to feature Mexico bands. Well, they're excluding us. Yeah. Even though they're using our demographics. Yes. You know, they're using our numbers against us and classifying it for just them or, you know, for, you know, Latinos from, you know, Cuba or from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, I have... Tons and tons and tons of friends from Mexico. You know, I got family from Mexico. I got, you know, friends from Cuba, from Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. from everywhere. I love them to death. But, you know, why do y'all get included? Our menudo's different. Well, of course. (laughs) But, you know, why do y'all get included, but we get excluded? Yeah. 
we get excluded even though this is our home. Yeah. You know, this is where we're from. You know, we we get lumped into a pile when we are separate individuals and we do have separate and different backgrounds and different stories. And it's not to be racist. It's not to be divisive. It's just saying that, you know, why can't we be a part of the conversation Yeah. instead of, you know, being, yeah, and an afterthought. Yeah. You know, because we sit there and we see a movie and everybody says, oh, we have diversity and we have inclusion. Well, it's like we're completely excluded from the conversation because we're Americanized. Yeah. Because we can speak the language, because we can listen to the different types of music. Yeah. Because we do have alternatives. We're excluded from the conversation because we can be set, you know, satisfied with other things. Right. When everybody else fights for their own cultural pride, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, they show their flag and they stand up and, you know, I'm from Durango, Mexico, and I have my flag, yeah. you know, and I'm from Cuba and I have my flag. And they, they show it. their nationality and their identity right. through their pride. Yeah. But saying you're Mexican-American, we don't have a distinct flag. We don't have something that takes us separate and says that we are a distinct individual. I'm gonna, no, we're just thrown in the bowl. I'm going to make a flag. Yeah, we need to make a flag. <laughs> we need to make something that can unite us and say, hey, we are a distinct individual. We're not, you know, just other than. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not that other section. You know, whenever they ask you, you know, what is your you know, nationality? What is your race? You know, we're American, but we're also native. But we have some hints of, you know, Mexican, yeah. some hints of Spanish. You know, we have all these other mixtures in us. But what are we that makes us unique? And how you said Chicano is a powerful thing because that's something that can unite us. But there are people that see that as derogatory. Yeah. And my mother, my mother yeah. didn't like Chicano. Yeah. And we need yeah. to we need to either be okay with the derogatory feeling and say, you know what, get rid of the derogatory. That's just who we are. Yeah. Or we need to find something that just unites us so that we can identify as other than, you know, just the other. Mm, or Latino. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, I mean, even if you throw us in a bucket of Latino, what kind of Latino are you? Yeah. Okay. Well, then are you a Puerto Rican? Are you a Cuban? Are you a, what are you? Guatemala. Yeah. You know, you, are you a Mexican? French even. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, they're able to distinctly, know, you know, say what they are. But us, it's like, well, I'm an American. And then the guy next to me says, well, I'm a Chicano. Then the guy next to me says, well, I'm a Mexican-American. Yeah. Well, the guy next to him says, I'm a Tejano. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have any uniquely identifying, what are we? Yeah. And that's why we came up with this podcast, the Mexican-American Perspective. Because this is our perspective and we need to find our identity we need to tell our stories and we need to unite behind those stories so that we can come together and we can say this is who we are because people don't know our stories because they just see us as something other that has been lumped into the group. Mm-hmm. You know, as uh, what was it? It was on Selena where um, they had the uh, movie Selena and they had Abraham saying that uh, it's hard to be a Mexican-American. Because you're not Mexican enough for the Mexicans mm-hmm. and you're not American enough for the Americans. Yep. 
you know, that's a fact. Let me let me tell you uh, something that happened here uh, where uh, I'm glad I happened to be there. The mayor of Austin had a group called EDI, Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they were doing a uh, concert uh, to... Uh, uh, for a fundraiser for the Hurricane Harvey yeah. survivors. Well, the concert included James Taylor, Dixie Chicks, uh, Willie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paul Simon, uh, and se- several other groups. Mm-hmm. And we were, this was in the Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion. <laughs> so I asked, they showed me the flyer, and uh, they said, what do you think, man? I said, I this is good, it's a good lineup. I said, but I don't see any D's in there. Yeah. <laughs> said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't see any diversity. Right. I said, I see white. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. He's, oh, can your band play? <laughs> and I said, yeah, my band could play, but you know what? I said, I'm not ready for that stage. Right. I said, but I know somebody who is. Who are you gonna get? And I said, Well, no, let me let me make the call first. So I I called Joe, Little Joe. Yeah. Little Joe has helped me out back mm-hmm. since I was 14 years old, man. You know. Yeah. I, I guess you know I always had open door to him and everything. So we, we've become friends over the years. And uh, so I called Joe, and I said, Hey, Joe, me now this and this has happened. It's a free gig, free gig, but it's happening there at the Irwin Center, which is a super drum here in Austin. Yeah. And uh, that's where they had the big concerts. And he said, uh, uh, you, you care to do it? And he says, yeah. So, so uh, we had another meeting, and I says, hey, uh, I got little Joey La Familia. All oh, right, man, you got, you got little Joey, yeah. And then uh, he'll do it. Then I get a call a couple of days later saying that C3, who was the mm-hmm. organization that, that was evidently putting on the concert, didn't want little Joe. Oh, wow. Well... It was like, oh, God. So, you know, here we are playing around, and I happened to see uh, this this friend, uh, nephew of Willie's. He said, I hear uh, Little Joe's playing. I said, no, nah, man, they're not They're not going to play. Says, you know, they didn't. Well, I told him. He says, oh, man, that doesn't sound right. Then I get a call another couple of days later. It says, uh, Joe's on. Oh, wow. So, uh, and I believe that Willie... Cause they're yeah. friends, you know. Willie's recorded with Joe and all, and you know, and uh, <clears throat> so uh, the only band that got a standing ovation that night was Little Joe. Oh wow, that's crazy. You know, that was the only he played Las Novas in English and in Spanish. Wow. And I was I was doing another gig in in Austin that day, and so I, by the time I got there, it was already it was already um, how should I say. Uh, there's a B here. <laughs> no, it, it, you know, it, it was already ending the, the mm-hmm. concert by the time I got finished and went over there to the Irwin Center. And uh, they were telling me, man, you know, he, he played Las Nubes and it was standing, I mean, a standing ovation. Wow. Well, then several years later, I talked to Joe and uh, he was telling me that C3 is now booking them into the casinos. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, uh-huh. No, no, they didn't want him to see what, what yeah. he did. And, of course, they're, I mean, Joe's a, an attraction, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to call him a friend, you know. And, uh, no, they've, they've helped me, you know, over the years. Uh, I mean, he called me 
Leonard, we got cancel over here. Can we get it? Come on, man. Y él también, you know. And so he, you know, it, it's camaraderie. You know. It's, yeah. It's camaraderie. And uh, so. So there was no other diversity the, in the, that? The, there was one black group that played. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah. So the group that was meant for diversity <laughs> did not have diversity besides two, you know, one Chicano band. Yeah. Now, they, they, did, they did have. It sold out in the first hour. Oh, wow. And what do they hold there in the Irwin Center? 90,000, yeah. something like that? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it just, um, I mean, the lineup was great. Yeah. The line, I mean, it's, you know, I yeah, tell people, wow. An insane lineup. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was there the day before when they were rehearsing. Yeah. And it's funny because Paul Simon was getting up there doing a sound check, and I had my phone, my cell yeah. phone. This lady comes up, uh-uh, no, you can't. Yeah. So I oh, found out wow. a lot of those things are, are controlled, too, you know, no videos. Yeah. I mean, people would take videos at a gig, and then mm -hmm. they play it, put it on the Internet, oh, yeah. and it sounds like crap. Yeah, That's why people don't want videos being shot of them at their gigs because it, it sounds, it, it sound, the sound is bad. Somebody may be standing close to a bass amplifier or close to one of the speakers and then pick mm -hmm. up everything or they don't, you know, they can hear the guitar real loud or maybe just the drums and it's just, uh, and, and that's why. So uh, please, people, if you video and it sounds bad, don't, don't post it. Because <laughs> that's right. what the bands sell, you know, we, and now more days, nowadays it's more uh, uh, visual also. That's... That's uh, and I I can't I can't jump and dance and make somersaults the way we used to on stage. Right. Slide into <laughs> slide into the microphone and get up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Tony, you know what, man? Sounds good. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing, and and uh, I'm sure once we let people know what we're gonna do. Now we're we're gonna interview not just musicians. Yeah, we're gonna interview everybody, politicians. Yes. A business owner. Teachers. Teachers. Uh, everybody. You radio. Can think of. Radio people. And, yeah. If uh, you're a janitor and you got a story to tell, yeah, you know, we, we want to interview you. Want to hear it? You know. You know. And and that's what it's about. Now later on, we're gonna get a a number. Mm -hmm. Where people can call. Yes, sir. And because we, wherever you at in the world. Yeah, we want to hear Mexican from you. American, Chicano, mm -hmm. uh, Americans. We'd really, really love to hear from you because we all have different stories. Exactly. We all have different experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've got some good friends, Chicanos, that played Tejano, but they've been playing jazz for years. Oh, yeah. and, you know. Right now, we're getting our feet wet. We're just getting the show going, finding out how this is going to go. And get the you know, sound right. Yeah, getting everything <laughs> done correctly so that we can make this a long-lasting and successful endeavor. Uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. I'd like to personally thank you for, for being a part of this first show. And uh, thank you, Leonard, for telling us your story. I mean, there's still more of your story oh, gosh. That, uh, that we're going to hear over time, especially from you talking to other musicians, you talking to other people, because we're going to have stories that have to do with everything and everybody that we interview. I look forward to hearing more about your life in this endeavor. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for being with us. And I'm going to be interviewing you.
Oh yeah, that's that's next. (laughs) (laughs) So well, thank you for your time, and we'll see you next time. Next time.